Hey, everybody! It is Yasser! I forgot my line. I'm just kidding. It's Isaiah! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are from my brother Sneaker, and we've got a little announcement. We are teaming up with a podcast app called Spoke to give you three exclusive uh, episodes. Uh, Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. The Spoke team handpicks the best moment from a ton of podcasts and creates playlist clips from a bunch of shows. And you can just search and try them out and find anything that you love. For instance... Oh, yeah. There's a playlist on there uh, called Slice of Life, which is all about like crazy and incredible things that happen to everyday people. Like, I just learned this, bro. I just learned some people pay their bills on time, dog. Oh, is that a thing? Dog, people will have a bill due date, and they will pay that bill before then. That's crazy to me. Before then. You know what else is crazy? What? Spook also has a, a lot of fun, exclusive content from Feral Audio. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, like our tournament episodes are going to be, oh, like, yeah. you know, there's going to be stuff like Sleep With Me, a lot of our, our other great shows here at Feral. You don't want to miss it. Yep. Download Spoke now. It's free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of my brother's sneakers exclusive Spoke episodes at hearspoke.com slash my brother's sneakers. Model boys, cute boys, round butt boys all day. Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough. And to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D-S-T-L-D, you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again, break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com right now and use the promo code FERAL and check out and get it. I 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com. D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. Hello. Welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer, and I'm probably going to sneeze during this intro. Because when you live in California, allergies just... All the time. I got. I have one of those sneezes right now. Where it's almost coming, and then it goes away. It's. It must be what that feels like for you know, like to be one of those people cannot have an orgasm. You just always get really close, <laughs> but you never get uh, that relief, that sweet bliss of the orgasm. Um, if you haven't listened to my show before, I do not talk about sneezing and orgasms often. Um, but uh, it is just a. It's a free-formed conversation with a individual. Uh, and today I have a very interesting guest. His name is David Brauner. He is the grandson of the uh, Brauner Soap Company. Yeah, you know, the, 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 the soap that you see, uh, it's in the Trader Joe's, I know that for sure. But it has like a gazillion writings on it about God and one mother spaceship Earth and all this uh, really interesting sort of we are all one philosophy but uh, the company Brauner Soap is now run by his grandsons and um, I think maybe one of his sons but they're big into organics and uh, GMOs and hemp uh, activism and uh, so we actually get into a a good conversation about uh, conscious capitalism organics GMOs you name it it's a real good uh, conversation there so uh, and but before we get into that conversation i just want to tell you uh march 29th 2013 at the nerdist showroom i am doing a uh, fundraiser benefit comedy show for jail guitar doors which i work with uh wayne kramer from the mc5 will be playing matt bronger neil hamburger rob delaney laura keitlinger christian duguay uh it's gonna be a uh, oh horatio sands from uh, you know snl you ever heard of it uh, it's going to be a really great night, so uh, you could buy tickets. Just, just go to my Twitter, Twitter, 
Matt underscore Dwyer, and uh, there's a, I'm going to be posting about it a ton. You can get uh, tickets through the Jogator Doors website, jogatordoors.org, and there'll be information there, uh, as well as my tumblers and whatnot. That being said, uh, here, welcome here. Enjoy this conversation with David Brauner. What is exactly, I know you uh, are part of the Brauner family, and uh, are you, you're the grandson of Emanuel Brauner, the, uh, the, the man who started this whole company, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm a, I am along with my brother and partner in, in crime here. Mike, Mike Brown, we're, we're grandsons. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't. I think. I mean, you're the the Dr. Brown soap is something I had seen in stores for years, and I only uh, I started using it because I moved into a, an apartment and somebody left it behind, and I was like, hey, I'll give this a try, and then uh, I've kind of been. Uh, hooked on it ever since. It's kind of it's it's a pretty unique sort of uh, soap, and it's uh, and the the label. What is there? There's like two thousand words on the label. Is that correct, or is there more than that? Uh, three three thousand uh, per core label, maybe six thousand overall. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> it's like, and it's yeah. I have really shitty eyes, so it's 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 hard for me to read. But what is what is the uh, overall sort of theme of it? it's uh, the one God and we are one. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's it's basically that um, <clears throat> you know that you know we must you know realize our transcendent unity and that all faith traditions at our heart are more or less saying the same thing. Um, you know, we're all children of the same divine source and have to get over uh, our trivial differences or we're going to perish and kill ourselves, especially in a, in a nuclear armed world. Um, you know, my granddad, you know, this was started in the late 40s and you know, the 50s, and, you know, just with the tragedy of the Holocaust. Um, and then, um, you know, and then nuclear weapons. I mean, he just felt uh, very urgently that, you know, he needed to spread this message. Um you know, and he, you know, he felt he, he considered himself a rabbi in the Essene tradition, and you know, there's an overall kind of Judaic, um, I guess, context to, to his philosophy. But um, you know, it's also very all one in that you know he draws inspiration from uh, you know spiritual giants from many faith traditions. You know, insights, you know, Moses, Muhammad, Jesus, Buddha, Hillel, um, and um, you know, and I think that you know that's just his point. You know, that there's really one, you know, one. One divine source, you know, men call it by many different names, but it's all one, you know, all, all one love, basically. And that, you know, there's a fair amount of idiosyncrasy on the label as well. Um, but, you know, that at its core, that's, you know, that's what he's talking about. Yeah, it's, I mean, you see footage of him and stuff, and it's, I don't, he's kind of like a, a prophet, which I don't think people, I, you know, really necessarily believe in these days if that seems odd but i mean he's sort of like yeah like abraham no he's like bob marley or you know just you know <laughs> yeah he's, he's, you know that's he's just 24 7 on on all one message and, um yeah you know I, I think you know we had like some deep mystical experiences and insights and just felt you know compelled to share them and spread them around yeah and it's in the and is the, the company is pretty it's kind of refreshing to hear of a company that is not a, a bunch of greedy, money-hoarding dicks. Because <laughs> it's like, you guys are very generous to your employees, you're very generous to charities, and, and you're very conscious of the earth. And boy, would it be awesome if there were more companies who, who acted, acted as, 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 as your soap company does. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I mean, we're, um, you know, you know, very unique. Um, we're very fortunate to have inherited such a progressive engine from my grandfather. And I mean, part of it is, you know, he ran the company as a nonprofit religious organization um, until he lost to the IRS in the late eighties um, and, uh, and was forced to pay, you know, back, you know, a huge amount of back tax until he was actually the company was put into bankruptcy. Um, at which point my dad and mom, uh, along with my uncle Ralph, took things over. My granddad got sick. 
and reorganized the company into for-profit, and we exited bankruptcy, and my dad, you know, ran the company and put it on a real sound financial footing. Um, but, you know, at our core, we do have this, you know, nonprofit DNA. You know, and my granddad did always give his profits away and dedicate them to, to his, uh, you know, the causes he believed in, and we're continuing to do that today. That's, um, I mean, that's it's really great, and I was telling some people about it uh, just last night, and they were kind of in awe of it. They were like, wow, that's amazing. And it, it is. It's, it, I, I don't know. And does, do you feel like that helps your business grow? Yeah, you know, I think we're really fortunate. I mean, we're kind of like the fighting soap company. We, we you know, we, we fight aggressively for the cause we believe in, you know, whether that's recommercializing hemp or, you know, ending cannabis prohibition, fair trade, you know, we're a huge proponents of fair trade and, and organic farming, sustainable organic methods of, of agriculture. Um, and then also for label integrity and, and truth in the marketplace. And, you know, we're pretty aggressive around making sure um, brands are being truthful in our greenwashing or fair washing. Um, you know, we fought DEA over, over hemp and, and one as far as the imports go. Um, close, hopefully, to finally recommercializing um, cultivation in the U.S. So you can't grow yeah, you can't grow hemp in the United States. No, right. We're in a silly situation where we're allowed to import hemp fiber and seed, which the government tried to take away in 2001, right after 9/11. But we actually fought fought them off. What do you think? Um, but why do you think they're so opposed to hemp? Is it is it like the petroleum companies, or because I, I, it's it's baffling when you start learning about hemp. It's like why are we? Yeah, yeah, it is the most baffling part of the drug war. But um, you know, it's it's really not uh, so much economic interests keeping it prohibited. It, it's just you know knee-jerk drug warrior reaction that you know the drug war is mostly the war on cannabis, which is the war on the hippies and the counterculture, and um, you know it's basically just part of the culture war. And, you know, anything that threatens cannabis prohibition, whether that's industrial hemp or medical marijuana, you know, that basically, you know, threatens to take down the house of cards of lies that, that you know, cannabis prohibition is built on, they just, you know, oppose. You know, they realize, like, if they give ground and say, oh, well, you know, all our propaganda, that cannabis is a plant with roots in hell with no, no redeeming value whatsoever, you know, insofar as that's threatened by, you know, a way to access plants like Amazing for, you know, as a sustainable ecological and industrial feedstock for, you know, a huge amount of products, you know, oh, wait, it's actually an amazing medicine, uh, you know, very safe and effective. And, um, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, you can reduce your opiates and Vicodin and, and you know, whatever uh, narcotic um, pharmaceuticals you're on, you know, any of this stuff just, you know, just threatens their whole paradigm of which, you know, there's billions upon billions of dollars invested in livelihoods and, so, you know, so there's just that, you know, there's just this entrenched, you know, drug complex, drug industrial, you know, prison complex that, that we're up against. But, you know, I think it's starting to crack. I mean, it's cracking rapidly and coming down and you know, hopefully before not too much longer. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be growing hemp as well as just generally um, not, uh, not wasting so much of our societal resources and, you know, we're shredding people's lives and, wasting everyone's money and energy so it's 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 really it's absurd and it's it, it's it's not to sound like overly hippie but it's it is like it's really weird that there's laws about like hey there's these things that naturally grow in the world if you touch that you're fucked <laughs> it's just like hey but that was like here way before us like why is that such a cr crazy concept and and you said something about like it's a war against uh, the counterculture, does that, is that still like, does that war still really like exist where they're like, we don't want people to smoke weed. They'll get, they'll get crazy ideas of freedom. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, I think it, we're coming through the end of it. Um, you, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's rapidly uh, disintegrating, but I mean, it, it's definitely, that's the holdovers we're dealing with, you know, especially the older generation of drug warriors, um, you know, for them, you know, marijuana, you know, represents, uh, you know, everything went, went wrong with this country, uh, you know, in the sixties and, you know, just the birth of civil rights, women's rights, environmental activism, you know, all this crazy hippie counterculture stuff, um, you know, that's this associated, you know, with this, you know, breakdown of societal order and, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, so, so yeah, anyways, you know, I, I think we're, you know, finally moving past that, you know, the, that generations, I guess, you know, dying off basically. Um, and, and, or just there's, uh, I don't know, hopefully just more rationality, you know, just more experience and wisdom and just, uh, you know, penetrating the, the collective societal consciousness that, you know, hey, you know, it's time to move past this kind of supercharged, you know, culture war deal and just deal more rationally and objectively with, with things like cannabis. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I was really surprised recently to discover that, uh, because they were uh, closing down a lot of the dispensaries in Los Angeles, and uh, that, like, Obama and his administration was a, was a big part, like, it, it was become, it had become the the DEA's number one target. It was like, that seems just ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, it's like, cause I know if I go downtown in LA, there's like a gazillion people walking around strung out on meth. It's like, why would you, why would you, why, I don't, I can't understand why, why that is. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's definitely, you know, it's the drug war dogs that, that, that Obama doesn't have control of. Um, you know, and, and, you know, that are driving policy uh, still in his administration, although hopefully now with the, you know, election and, and Washington, Colorado, voting to repeal prohibition, there's going to be enough political cover. And that, I mean, I mean part of the problem, too, is Biden. Biden's like an old, you know, definitely one of the, the worst drug warriors out there. Oh, I didn't know um, that about him. Yeah, yeah, no, a lot of the worst uh, worst policies that came out of the drug war were sponsored directly by Biden. Like the RICO Act and Rave Act, and um, you know a lot of the asset forfeiture and all that crap. Um, you know it's coming out of Biden. Um, so you know that you know there's some unfortunate uh, forces in this administration. I don't think Obama himself, you know, uh, you know really cares. Or you know, in fact, it probably, you know, if, if he has to cover, um, act to uh, you know end prohibition sooner versus later. And but he is a political animal, and you know a lot of us were disappointed and just kind of, I guess, how much of, he wasn't leading on, on progressive issues, um, you know, and, 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 you know, and especially on the cannabis front, that, that was, you know, very disappointing, um, the, the way the VA was cracking down. Yep. But, you know, hopefully that's going to change, so. Yeah, I, I mean, like with the whole GMO issue, and then he puts the former vice president of Monsanto on <laughs> as the head of the USD, uh, USD is, am I saying that wrong? It sounds yeah, like... Yeah. Yeah, FDA. You mean the uh, what's his name, Michael Murphy or something? Yeah, and that, um, and 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 it, and even Clarence Thomas was their Monsanto's lawyer for four years. It's just like I just there's a I interviewed a guy earlier, and he was saying how Monsanto should be tried for war crimes. And I guess well, you know, they also created Agent Orange, but it's like I, I, you have a probably a better because i feel like there's a lot of arguing about gmo but i feel like you would probably have a better perspective on that right because you guys were yeah sure i mean yeah i mean definitely we're we're we're, you know we're very concerned about genetic engineering i mean you know i think there's been a big snow job on the public that's been very effective by monsanto and dow and you know the rest of these uh you know chemical pesticide companies who who have basically bought the seed industry in this country and our engineering resistance to their weed killers. And, you know, that's what genetic engineering is about. It's about engineering resistance to chemicals, so I can sell more chemicals. And, you know, they'll, they'll sell it, oh, we're, you know, we're breeding drought-tolerant vitamin-enriched rice for, for feeding starving people in Bangladesh. But, you know, that's just marketing rhetoric. And if you look at the facts on the ground, what they're all about is, is breeding resistance to their chemicals. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, this technology is actually rapidly failing the Roundup Ready, uh, you know, soy and corn that you can spray huge amounts of Roundup weed killer on. But now we're, we have these super weeds that are resistant to the, these weed killers. So now they're breeding resistant to 2,4-D and dicamba. 2,4-D is the main ingredient in Asian orange. Dicamba is a known uh, neurotoxin, you know, really bad stuff, really, you know, the really bad weed killers, which the whole promise of Roundup Ready in the first place was like, oh, we don't have to use these weed killers now. Uh, you know, like we can just use Roundup. Well, now, you know, now you can't use glyphosate, which is a chemical term for, for Roundup. It doesn't work anymore. So now these next generation GMO crops are being bred to resist 2,4-D, you know, basically Agent Orange Corn is what it's called um, or, or nicknamed. 
you know, and then the Canva. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just very disturbing. You know, we see GMO as, you know, basically the, the, the chemical conventional monoculture uh, of agriculture on you know, that, that whole chemical intensive, conventional chemical intensive model of agriculture on steroids. I mean, GMO is not about freeing us from, you know, chemical intensive agriculture. It's about doubling down and just putting ever more chemicals into our food and on our land and our air and on our farm workers' bodies. So, you know, we just feel like, you know, that, you know, we need to shift generally away from chemical agriculture to a more sustainable, organic system. And GMOs are like just this kind of like just the huge worst thing about what's going on, the consolidation of, of our food supply under just like six or seven corporations, um, you know, now running the show. You know, and they have huge power. They bought and sold both power, both parties, as you, as you noted. You know, Obama's administration is just as friendly to, to biotech as every previous one. And they spend huge amounts of money on both parties, and they have one, one agenda, and that's we want so-and-so put into the regulatory position and USDA and EPA and FDA, you know, the ones making the key decisions on green lighting, uh, you know, various GMO crops. Um, that guy that you were talking about, um, uh, I forget his first name, something Murphy, um, you know, he basically was involved in, the FDA is finding that GMO crops are substantially the same as their, their, you know, real food counterparts and didn't need any extra regulatory scrutiny. So basically green-lighted a bunch of untested foods into the you know, American food supply with, with no additional regulatory screening, basically saying that the industry's own self-safety you know, risk assessments were sufficient, you know, which is, of course, like the fox guarding the hen house. And, um, yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, it's just very, very disturbing what's going on. And, you know, but we see labeling as as soon as consumers have informed choice and know what they're eating, that generally they're going to reject buying genetic engineered foods. You know, if you can, if you see genetic engineered tofu and non-genetically engineered tofu, I mean, people are going to generally go for the non-genetically engineered. <clears throat> Biotech knows that, and that's why they oppose labeling, you know, tooth and nail, and they spent $45 million to defeat us in California with Prop 37, uh, and they barely won. And this kind of shows how vulnerable they are. And, you know, we're going to keep this fight going. Um, there's talk of going in Washington next year, um, which is a really good state to go in because GMO apples are about to hit the market. There's a non, the Botox apple that doesn't brown when you cut it. You know, even the regular conventional apple growers, they don't want nothing to do with this apple. They don't want the... You know, consumers think, you know, the, the the whole image of the natural healthy apple being sabotaged by this kind of meaningless, you know, trait that's being genetically engineered. Um, you know, and then GMO salmon, that's another thing that's, you know, hugely unpopular in, in Washington. Um, so it's just a real good battleground for us. And, you know, we're, we're exploring a fight there either in 2013 or 14, you know, and hope to punch through, much like the cannabis trajectory where we where we lost in California, you know, two years ago in 2010, but we, like, moved the discussion, we moved the debate, and kind of made, you know, set up Colorado and Washington in this election cycle. You know, we're looking for Prop 37 from, that we just lost, but, you know, just barely to set up wins in Washington next year or next election. Yeah, it's uh, the GM, and I, it's weird to me, like, I have a lot of friends that, everyone still is kind of like confused but like some people are like i don't know if it is bad for you i i, I noticed like a a while ago i had some like i made corn on the cob i was like this doesn't even have flavor like i remember like corn being something i really liked as a kid and i'm like this is kind of weird now and mm. and i mean are the, it cuz there are like some studies and then i hear there's like it's debated but like that it is causing cancer, and I also read something last night that uh, speculating that a lot of these f foods and stuff in children, because they're still developing their brains, that that could potentially be th th some of the reasons why we're having more kids with mental disorders and like autism or bipolar. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, allergies, food allergies, autism. Um, you know, you're going through the roof, and obviously they're caused by environmental exposures of some kind. 
you know, drawing direct strong correlations to, to a particular environmental contamination. I mean, that's very difficult to do, but, you know, in aggregate, that's absolutely, uh, you know, everyone knows that's what's happening. You know, we're just exposed to this, this huge slew of, of chemical soup. And, um, you know, and, and the multiple aggregate exposures are, are definitely affecting us. Um, you know, as far as, you know, you know, you know, a strong correlated link between GMOs and, you know, various health risks, it's, you know, it's difficult to establish, but, you know, I, I think, you know, what people should keep in mind is, you know, you know, regardless of, you know, whether or not the, the whatever the novel genetically engineered compounds are in our food that, you know, enable more wheat killers to be sprayed in our food, we do know that it's not a good idea to have wheat killer residues in our food. You know, and that's what GMO is about. It's just about basically spraying more weed killer. And if you look at, like, the at EPA, they just raised the glyphosate um, tolerance in, in corn from six parts per million to 12 parts per million. And that's expressly to, to you know, catering to Monsanto. And, like, as, as these weeds get more resistant and they have no way to control them except by spraying ever more Roundup and glyphosate, you know, they're basically raising the, the health risk tolerances for, for weed killer. And it's not being driven by science and real health risk analysis. It's being driven by the needs of the pesticide industry. So, you know, this is, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not there like saying like, oh, you're going to, you know, die or you're going to have some horrible health reaction eating GMOs. But, you know, just, it, it's just an aggregate. It's, it's, you know, polluting the planet, polluting our bodies. And, you know, it's just not the direction, you know, every, you know, we all know we need to be moving away from petrochemicals and, you know, all kinds of industries. And agriculture is a huge one, um, you know, a huge use of petroleum. And, you know, and, and, you know, and it's not just the end users. I mean, it's also the farm workers who are being exposed to, to these sprays. And so genetic engineering just means it's like ever more, you know, uh, you know pesticide drift and, and weed killers contaminating worker, you know, farm worker communities. And so, you know, so it's not, you know, necessarily, I mean, I mean, I think that people should be concerned about their own health and, and you know, definitely should eat organic for, for that reason and, and avoid pesticide residues as much as possible. But, you know, it's also goes to just, you know, a more sustainable system of agriculture and, you know, healthier farming communities and, you know, things that extend beyond our own personal health as well. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I've personally known, it just seems like that cancer is something, I have several friends who've gotten cancer at a very young age, and it's like, this didn't used to happen, it's very alarming to me, and it, it could be a multiple amount of things that are causing it, but it's it's really alarming when you know several people in their mid to 20s and early 30s who have cancer, it's like, I mean, cancer used to be something you old people gotten and now it's just like everybody gets it at a, any goddamn age it's 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 terrifying right and i know like isn't uh, there a gmo thing going up in front of the supreme court like right around now or am i wrong in that <clears throat> you know i'm not familiar uh, offhand with it um i mean i know there are court cases uh, you know at different levels you know usually with biotech suing farmers who you know, basically have a GMO crop accidentally appears in their field and then they get sued. Yeah, um, Monsanto's good about and they'll send thugs and whatnot to intimidate. They're a great, great company. It's, it's just... Yeah, yeah, you know, but they're vulnerable too. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, they've lost, you know, they've lost Europe, they've lost Japan, you know, China even has labeling. I mean, there's a lot of countries that are you know, basically opposed to GMOs. And, you know, it's just kind of amazing that, that, you know, we're, you know, we're pretty much one of the only industrialized countries that doesn't have the right to know if we have, if we're eating genetic engineered foods. But I think it's inevitable that that's going to change. I mean, the GMO technology, again, it's, you know, it's, it is failing. I mean, they're, they're, the, the whole, you know, uh, rationale for Roundup Ready soy is evaporating. You know, they are having to use, and breed resistance down to these really toxic herbicides. Um, you know, and people, yeah, at some point, you know, it, you know, people are going to wake up, and because hopefully it's sooner versus later. Um, you know, it's similar to cash prohibition. I mean, it's not a matter of if, it's when, and you know, hopefully it's sooner versus later. And 
now like with organics because I also feel like I mean do you your company and I'm guessing you as an individual are very I know you've been pushing for stricter uh, organic I guess would it be rules or what what the regulations are because yeah sure because you sometimes you don't it says organic but I don't like and I always buy organic but sometimes especially if it's like the bigger companies like uh i've heard not good things about uh horizon like organic milk and i actually uh my friend the other day uh I, this is she opened she was making a cream sauce with horizon and part of a cow udder fell out of the carton and i have a picture of it if you want me to send oh, it to you oh my god that's the grossest thing ever it's yeah send it to me that's the worst yeah, but you know, well, here's the problem with Verizon is like you know basically, and, and you know, and, and and other companies like I mean, obviously, organic is huge business, and corporate America is catching in and buying up brands, and then you know basically complying with the letter but not the spirit of the organic regs, um, and you know, and and as consumers, I think it's just incumbent that you know, whereas you know, organic, if you're organic on a food, it's you know absolutely better than a, a non-organic product. I mean, there's no no doubt, you know, even the worst organic um, players are, you know, are, are, are way beyond the non-organic. You know, the, the organic paradigm does prohibit all kinds of, you know, hormones and, and, and crap that, um, you know, is prevalent in non-organic milks. And, um, uh, but, you know, within the world of organic, there's, just a, there's a huge difference between those who are really following the original spirit Organics versus over like kind of just you know stretching the boundaries and you know more or less doing conventional uh, you know uh, you know confined animal factory operations these big CAFOs that you know you know you know the you know everyone wants to think organic milk is all about um, you know grass fed dairy cows you know just living happily on, on feeling you know, out out on pasture but you know uh, unfortunately um, the pasture rules are, are you know, they're not as strong as they should be, and, and companies like Horizon take advantage um, and, you know, basically have kind of major factory farms um, that aren't a whole lot different than conventional ones, although with the important caveat that in the cows can't be administered, you know, the, 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 the chemical cocktail that they would be if it's, it wasn't organic certified. So, I mean, it's still much better than conventional, but there's just a huge difference, and it really comes down to knowing your brand and knowing what they're about so that there is a difference between different organic brands and researching, um, you know, who's kind of really doing it for real and who's whatever, who's putting up a greenwash. Yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to keep on your toes because it's – I – and like that – the what was in the prop uh, this year in California is like I want to know who the parent company is because I don't want to give any money to a great number of corporations and it's frustrating to like I don't want to give dime one to Monsanto or Coca Cola and uh, both companies who I think fought the GMO thing pretty hard and which which is also the irony or of them saying like oh it's going to cost us more money and then they spend forty seven million dollars. It's like I, you clearly didn't care about the money yeah. issue, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, you know, yeah, there's this uh, a huge investment of, of these junk food manufacturers and cahoots with the pesticide manufacturers and the status quo. And um, you know, I mean, but I, you know, I think we can totally beat them. And uh, you know, California showed just how vulnerable they are. Um, you know, the campaign was a little sloppy and wasn't well funded till the end and. You know, we weren't able to counter their kind of ad barrage of, of BS until, you know, 10 days before the camp, uh, before election day. And, um, but, you know, we still got 48.5% of the vote. So I think it really showed a lot of people were on the sidelines that, you know, that BO is, uh, is vulnerable. And, you know, the next time we fight, hopefully they'll get off the sidelines and, and you know, put real money in. Will it will it be difficult? Uh, do you think to get that back on the ballot in a couple years or whenever that would be again? Well, yeah, I mean it's you know it's like cannabis. I mean, we wouldn't you know we were going to circle back here probably in 2016. It wasn't advisable to you know come right back. 
Um, I think we need to go to some other states and, and punch it through, and then we can come back to California. Um, but, I mean, it's also the case that, you know, if we win in Washington, I think with a supermajority of Democrats, that, you know, it's possible to actually make legislative progress, um, you know, once once we break through in a state like Washington. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's even, there's not, you know, there's even an outside possibility we'll get, you know, and Canada's prohibition without another initiative. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how things develop in the coming years. Um, but, you know, 2016 is 14, four years away, and, you know, it'll be real interesting just how things develop. Yeah, it seems, uh, at least in, in my circle of the world, it at least on the Internet, there was a big presence of people writing about it. I definitely was, like, hugely uh, for it. And, and But it was weird because I had friends who were like, I don't know about this bill. There's things in it that just seem weird. And I'm like, we need to get the ball rolling. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like... Oh, it's, yeah, no. I mean, you know, unfortunately, the bill, it was, it was kind of long and, you know, a bit complicated. And, and you know, the opposition, you know, was able to exploit that and just, you know, make hay about a bunch of crap, you know, you know non-existent problems. Um, you know, and, and basically get people wondering, oh, my gosh, you know, what, what does this mean? You know, how, how can we label soy milk and not cow's milk and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, none of it, all of it, it, it was just BS and, and, and arbitrary. Um, you know, all the, all the, you know, it was a very straightforward labeling law. And, uh, you know, and much like, you know, labeling uh, uh, disclosure acts before, whether that's calories or trans fats or anything, I mean, the food industry, you know, band together, spends millions on millions of dollars to confuse people about how it's going to raise the food prices and, you know, the sky's going to fall and blah, 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 you know, but eventually they lose and, and, and we win. So, you know, it's just, I think we're in, in, in a similar process here. Yeah, it's strange to me too. There is like such a often a public sort of. Uh, I, I've seen it in like several uh, commercials where they kind of mock people for who want organics. Like there's two separate Geico commercials, one with the uh, Gallagher and the, the people shopping at the farmer market are made out to be these buffoons, <laughs> and it's just like, why are they? Why are you portraying us this way? And like, why is it bad that I don't want food that's going to make cancer in my mouth? It's it's very perplexing that that's on a lot of levels is an image sort of pushed out there. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's you know, organics is you know associated with you know liberal elites and um, silliness, and you know, not that there's not a certain amount of um, you know food, uh, whatever foodism. Uh, involved, but I mean, yeah, bottom line, I and mean, it's basically a movement to take our agricultural systems back from the pesticide companies and say, look, we don't want to eat food that's been sprayed, you know, with 15 different insecticides and weed killers and, you know, that, you know, we can farm food um, economically and environmentally. And yeah, you know, it's going to cost a bit more, but that's, you know, if you were to cost in the true cost of all these, you know, diseases and uh, you know, chronic conditions that are on the rise in our society, you know, directly attributable to conventional agriculture, you know, organic would be cheaper, you know, by a lot. So, um, but, you know, as far as the caricatures go and making fun of, you know, people and choices, I mean, that's, you know, that's obviously a tactic that the status quo uses, you know, to whatever maintain its status quo. Why does it cost more to... Uh, grow things organically because it in in some ways I'm like well then you don't have to spray it with as much bullshit so it wouldn't or wh why is that why is it always much more expensive well I mean it's you know I mean like it's like lab less labor intensive less involved uh, I mean to, to clear your wheat I mean if you can just spray like a crap load of wheat killer on your field and not kill your crop you know I mean always that's a pretty easy way of controlling weeds, um, you know, it's just, is that really the best for us as a, you know, or, or most healthy for us? I mean, you can get the similar yield. It's just going to cost more, you know, going with, you know, non-chemical weed control. Um, and, you know, and the reality is, is that the over-reliance on chemical control is, you know, it's fast um, becoming obsolete because they're just the overspraying, you know, much like the overuse of antibiotics and livestock breeding resistant strains of, of bacteria. The same thing is happening with weeds. 
and farmers are being, you know, you know, even farmers that want to control their weeds chemically are being forced to resort to more traditional methods of weed control. Um, so, you know, organics is, you know, it's just basically being kind of proactive about, look, you know, if we want to be around here another hundred or thousand years, I mean, we can't be spraying petro petroleum-based petrochemicals, you know, toxic, you know, year after year after year on the same land, um, you know, killing the soil, killing ourselves, you know, it's just, and it's, you know, ultimately unsustainable just, just economically. I mean, the, the source petroleum feedstocks is not, not going to be around much longer. So, it, you know, anyways, you know, it's an, an inevitable transition we have to go through to, to organic foods. Just, you know, it's, again, a question of when and, you know, how fast. It, it makes you wonder what goes on in these executives' brains. Like, are do they are they just short-sighted? Are they sociopaths? It's just like, I mean, it's like, are you looking at, like, the future of the world for your children, or do you just not give a shit about anybody? It's just, it's really baffling to me. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, obviously the, you know, number one actual reason is short-term profit. I mean, that's what drives everything, you know, but the rationale that's used to kind of hide that fact, you know, the self-deluding, whatever, you know, it's just like, oh, you know, you know if we're going to feed a hungry world, we have to do it this way, and you know, blah, 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 and, you know, you know, absolutely we don't have to do it that way. Um, you know, that, you know, it's been shown that we can boost yields dramatically through just simple agroecological practices of, you know, knowing what kind of perimeter plants and, you know, that di di distract pests, uh, you know, from the, from the crops. And there's all kinds of, of, of ways to promote yields and, you know, but unfortunately none of them are, you know, patentable and, and profitable. Um, you know, knowledge-intensive agriculture is not not a moneymaker, and so, of course, the huge corporations that dominate agriculture are completely uninterested and, and opposed to, you know, promoting these methods or promoting these methods in the developing world. You know, they want it, they, you know, their whole mantra is GMO, and we're going to sell them the weed killers to go with it. Yeah, is it, do, have you ever, has your company ever been, uh, like, uh, has anyone ever tried to buy you guys out? Like any, like, Johnson? Oh yeah, Johnson? I guess, sure. Like every other every other week, we get offers. Like we're one of the last few um, independent companies of any size. That's pretty amazing. And is it is it just going to keep going? Or do you guys hope it just keeps going family member to family member? Or uh, yeah, you know, I guess so. I mean, I you know, it's, um, you know, at least you know. Going on, I mean, I don't want to make my daughter, you know, work in a company she doesn't want to, um, you know, but at least, you know, keep the mission uh, mission going. Um, and, you know, the, the company will eventually probably be donated to a nonprofit of some sort, a non, nonprofit structure. Um, you know, we currently we run it for profit that just, you know, enables our family to have full control, which isn't possible with a nonprofit board. But, you know, at some point, you know, if we have, you know, no competent or interested family members willing to step up. But, you know, that's probably the direction we'll have to go. You guys could adopt me and I can... Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, maybe I can help out. <laughs> but it's when I first saw the documentary, like, I, that was one of my thoughts. I was like, man, that I would love to work for that company. Like, it seems like the people that they talked to that worked for, for you guys, and it seems like... It seems like a like a real place to work, like where you be, are respected, which seems to be happening less and less in the in the workplaces these days. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, we have a real family atmosphere, and you know, like all our, our like our executive compensation is capped five to one of our lowest paid um, warehouse position. Um, you know, we're very generous with our benefits, and. Um, and yeah, you know, and then we're, our supply chains are all certified fair trade, so you know, we're making sure there's fair wages and prices in our major materials, whether that's coconut or palm or olive. Um, yeah, our like we have a, a co coconut project in Sri Lanka that grew out of a tsunami relief project um, that's supplying now all our uh, cosmetic and food grade coconut oil. Um, we pull our olive oil predominantly from Palestine, from the Jenin area of the West Bank. Um, and then a minority from the Israeli side, um, from two different projects um, that are, you know, both very cool. Um, so yeah, so you know, that's it's it's that's really like inspiring to hear. And I mean, that makes me, 
I mean, I already do buy your stuff, but it makes like I I won't stop because it's like it's nice to put your money somewhere that is helping you know the world and making a difference, and that's so. I thank you for for doing that. And now, with do you guys ever get like sort of politically hassled or like do they make it a little bit more difficult for you sometimes because you oppose a lot of these companies or is that not never an issue oh tuesday like the government yeah i was just curious like if that's ever been an issue yeah no not really i mean i used to get more paranoid about that but you know whatever um our society is kind of geared to servicing uh corporations so you know i guess we enjoy that distorted favoritism do you ever like when you hear of other companies talking about like oh we can't pay this wage and that, I mean are you just like that's completely bullshit because we do it <laughs> like does that in, infuriate you and like all the bullshit that these guys are spewing out these days about yeah, yeah I mean you know I mean I think it can always be better you know I'm not you know I'm not saying that you know there's definitely some industries I think where you know labor costs are you know much more of an issue and you know, just to be competitive and whatnot. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that ever means you shouldn't pay a living wage and decent benefits. Um, you know, I think, you know, when you look at, like, say, Walmart versus Costco, I think, you know, it's a, it's a good example of two very different labor policies and a, with a very similar business model. And, you know, Costco goes toe-to-toe with Sam's Club and Walmart and pays its, all its employees very well with good benefits, you know, versus Walmart, which is, like, the worst in the industry. They're, uh, so, they're you know. They're terrible. I mean, they educate their employees how to get public assistance so they can keep their wages low. It's baffling that that's allowed. Yeah, no, exactly. So, so yeah, you know, I, I generally think, um, you know, there's definitely room to uh, improve people's wages on the bottom. And, you know, especially when you see these ballooning executive pay packages, you know, which is ridiculous. So. Yeah, it's it's obscene. It's really obscene what's been happening the last, I don't know, that's been going on, that, that wage jump between workers and the executives. It's... Uh, yeah, no, totally, man. Let's hope for revolt. Nonviolent revolt. <laughs> but but um, I, I want to thank you very much for your time, and I'm sorry we had that weird phone glitch there for a second. I, I apologize for that, but... Uh, this has been uh, very informative, and it's helped answer a lot of questions that I've been, or things I've been talking about for the whole time I've been doing this show. So I, I think you've cleared up a great deal for me, and uh, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, no, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on, and um, you know, so yeah, rock on, and I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. If you enjoyed the show and uh, you would like to feel generous, please donate. Donate to my show. Uh, I could use the money to buy periodicals. i, I got to do a lot of reading and research for this fucker, and it really takes its toll on me. And I like to eat. Uh, this has become almost like a, a full-time job. So, uh, oh, And if you can't afford to donate, I know it's tough times. You can go through my Amazon link there at feralaudio.com and you can buy some bullshit and I get a kickback of that bullshit. So do that and follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore Dwyer at twitter.com and uh, peruse the feralaudio.com website and look at the other shows. And thank you for listening to my show.
National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.